Uncle James asks on 11, uh, 8, 21, have you guys dug into the mindfulness movement? Such layers of bounds, such as CIA brain truster, Thich Nhat Hanh. I mean, I feel like mindfulness has become like such a broad concept. I mean, it maybe not has become. I mean, I certainly have noticed mindfulness being like stressed in like popular discourse more or like becoming more of a buzzword. But yeah, um, yeah, like, is there, like, a particular hub of, like, I mean, I feel like mindfulness is a grift for, like, many people, and it's, like, pretty much involved in, like, you know, all sorts of, like, different organizations or, like, movements, like, you know, TM, like, that involves mindfulness. Yeah. Like, you no, know. No, I think almost, there there's yeah. a whole, there's a whole lineage of kind of susness around uh, the concept of mindfulness. I've definitely noticed it over the last yeah especially like i think it's years. like a totally secularized like way to talk about like yeah. you know uh things that like for instance like when you like pray five times a day for instance like that is something that i think is psychologically healthy that's not yeah. the reason why one does it but like it is psychologically healthy like as a corollary to you know the the, the reasons for but, it but you could see like um, a, a corporate hr person being exactly like, all right do your do, like do your yeah he's not going to uh, tell you to like pray a lot or something they're going to say like you, do your what, affirmations what, what, five times yeah, a day what yeah. are we going to distill down this to something that's like you know just like a kernel of it it's kind of yeah it's the commercialization and like the total yeah like uh, uh secularization of uh meditation or prayer um yeah i mean this is definitely like, one plank of like the sort of esalen industrial new age complex basically yeah that's, it's kind of like mean, how sam harris loves mindfulness and like loves meditation but like yeah hates he's an atheist. all religion yeah he's a big yeah. atheist yeah yeah so i think i mean even it even goes back to things like the i mean just the whole human potential movement in general but also a lot of that like men who stare at goats like first earth battalion type shit and research that was going on in sri yeah, so in the 70s in and the way. 80s yeah. i mean i think mm -hmm. it, it, there's like a direct lineage in some cases because what you're seeing the susest thing about mindfulness like it's definitely permeated corporate culture in a secularized form, but the creepiest parts are how the military has adopted it in the last like yeah. 20 years or so. Um, I'll get to that in a second, but first of all, uh, Thich Nhat Han, you know, this guy, uh, not, I wasn't too familiar with him, but you mm -hmm. know, he's the founder of the plum village tradition. He is a Vietnamese Buddhist monk. He's known as the father of mindfulness. Uh, he created the order of interbeing so I guess he, I mean, he had an interesting like relationship during the Vietnam War because I guess in 1966, he was exiled from South Vietnam 
after expressing opposition to the war and refusing to take sides, in 1967, Martin Luther King Jr. nominated him for a Nobel Peace Prize. Then eventually he went to France and founded the Plum Village uh, Monastery in the 80s. Very like Omega Institute, Esalen kind of thing. He eventually did, I think, once things you know cooled off and relations were normalized, uh, between the Western countries and Vietnam. Uh, he did go back to Vietnam in the 2000s and uh, went back to, like I guess, his root temple near Hue, where that he then died uh, in January of this year at age 95. So, yeah, I mean, so right there you could see, I mean, perfect for the new age where he's like a mystical Eastern monk who was kind of anti-war and Mm -hmm. that was totally great. Um, hmm, Interesting. He, he was a Fulbright scholar um, in in comparative religion at Princeton. Wow. And then taught Buddhism at Columbia and Cornell. Wow. So he was, I mean, so he came over to America. He he was American educated, which is interesting. Yeah, so because I remember, I mean, there were layers to the whole South Vietnam thing where because like No Jin Jem was Catholic and kind of represented that power base, they persecuted Buddhists to some yeah, degree. South, that's why that's Vietnam. where we got the Rage Against the Machine album cover with the monk, you know, setting yeah. himself on fire. Right. Thick Quang Duc, was that? A nice yeah, Thong Quang Duc. I don't know her yeah. name, but it's that, I something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I guess he was sort of like caught up in all this. He founded something called the School of Youth for Social Service, a core, a neutral core of Buddhist peace workers who would go out to the countryside and build healthcare clinics and help rebuild villages and stuff. Okay. That's not as bad as the Phoenix program, at least. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, so mm-hmm, eh, interesting. Yeah. So he, he, he knew like foreign policy kind of people through Columbia and Cornell. Yeah. Um, talking about U.S. policy in vietnam yeah he was like you know he was definitely anti-vietnam war and he got like some heat for it but you know he's also like yeah celebrity and like definitely like had an an elite uh education and like you know uh a privileged life in many ways yeah Um, and and his take on the vietnam war you know it was still like kind of lib but there are definitely people who had worse takes for sure no, definitely. Um, I guess so. Yeah. He built a whole network of monasteries uh, around France, the U.S., Australia, Thailand, Vietnam, and Hong Kong. That includes um, this is under, I guess, the order of interbeing. So this includes the Blue Cliff Monastery in Pine Bush, New York, the Community of Mindful Living in Berkeley, Parallax Press, uh oh, Deer Park Monastery in Escondido, California. Uh, Mongol- Magnolia Grove Monastery in Batesville, Mississippi, and the European Institute of Applied Buddhism in Waldboro, Germany. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. I feel like so, I've read things that were published by Paradox Press. Um, yeah, Parallax Press. Yeah, maybe it just sounds familiar. I mean, and, yeah, yeah, it makes me think of Parallax View. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, so the, a lot of mindfulness, this and that. Um, but okay, so there was one article I found that you know gets to the meat of the question of like the susness of mindfulness. And this was from a blog, uh, Christopher Titmus Dharma blog from 2014 titled are Buddhist mindfulness practices used to support international war crimes. Um, spoiler alert. Yes, they are. 
And mm-hmm. so the, I guess this guy is like kind of a Buddhist, but it sounds like he is very, um, I guess to his credit, very annoyed by other Buddhists being like, love, yeah. life, It's interesting how me. strongly mindfulness is associated with Buddhism in, I mean, yeah, I guess like maybe it's just from like the lineage of the usage of the term like in Western discourses, but yeah, association with like sort of... Uh, meditation like uh or like zazen type meditation or uh yeah but buddhist modes of 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 meditation mm-hmm. so yeah but i yeah when we initially brought it up i didn't necessarily think of it as being a primarily buddhist thing although i guess yeah like uh, i guess i, I always thought it, it came from there originally but now it's been kind of uh, it's maybe it's a little tenuous to say that it comes. It, it's almost like calling something Sufi. It's like, is it really, you know? Um, exactly. I mean, I definitely, you, yeah, you could definitely say that like mindfulness comes from like Sufism equally. Like mindfulness, I feel like is something that's important in like almost like all sorts of traditions of like religious practice um, or, you know, especially like, uh, you know, again, my least favorite word, but like mysticism like uh or ascetism maybe it's a better way to say it or asceticism asceticism yeah ascetism is like an old it's one it's like an occult like a weird old way to say it but oh weird um Um, yeah well i just want to read a little bit from this because you know i'll i'll give credit where it's due to the to this buddhist christopher titmus he starts out his article very strongly saying that war a repulsive form of human behavior generates death mutilation trauma and destruction of people of cities towns and villages etc. Not surprisingly, the Buddha never wavered from his determination to persuade human beings to abstain from killing and to negotiate resolution to major conflicts involving nation states, tribes, and political organizations. He spoke up tirelessly for a nonviolent view towards the dynamics of human existence rather than a compromise through justifications used to support the killing fields of war. So he he quotes a bunch of Buddhist, you know, proverbs about why war is bad. Then he says he, he talks about right after 9-11, he was speaking with some Muslim friends in India mm-hmm. and they were very sad about the killing of so many Americans. But one of them said, we all felt very sad this happened, but we could not understand why the Americans came a few weeks later and bombed the capital of Afghanistan and many other places in Afghanistan. None of the terrorists were Afghanis. Americans deliberately killed so many poor Muslims like us. Why do the Americans hate Muslims? Hmm, good question. <laughs> uh, good question. So currently... Yes. There is an important debate taking place among Buddhists, peace activists, academics, and thoughtful citizens about the application of Buddhist mindfulness practices for the U.S. military, including soldiers and drone pilots engaged in the killing fields of Muslim nations. So this is going to get back from a few episodes. We talked about, you know, uh, the thing I wrote about drone pilots, like... uh, This would have been a disturbing subplot to work in that would be 100% true, but this is about to get a little yikes. He says there is also a wider debate about the relationship of Buddhists to war. This critique expresses ongoing concern about these important issues and appeal to stay true to the wisdom and compassion of the Buddha and his teachings. Certain senior Buddhists in the USA offer justification for certain wars. They appear to identify with the violent objectives of the nation-state that are removed from the teachings of the Buddha. The Buddha criticized violent kings and powerful rulers, telling them to change their ways. He urged teachings and practices of non-harming towards others and ourselves. He spoke up for animals and all living beings to protect them from harm, from humans. People might think that practicing Buddhists who have taken refuge in the Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha would express unwavering support to stop the killing machines of the military. 
This is not the case with rationalizations, ambiguity, and uncertainty. A senior Buddhist, Barbara Gates, the the editor of The Inquiring Mind, a popular U.S. Buddhist journal, wrote in the most recent 60-page issue of the journal devoted to the theme of war and peace, quote, In Buddhist circles, there is hot debate on the impact of doing mindfulness training with the military. As editor, I still don't know definitively where I stand on the issue. Her reaction is quite common among Buddhists. Other Buddhists have made very clear their opposition to war and their concern about the use of mindfulness to train Marines and drone pilots. Associate Professor of Psychology Amishi Jha works with the U.S. Army to measure neurobehavior under stress and develop ways to optimize mindfulness in battle. In the Inquiring Mind Journal, she wrote, I have had an easier time speaking at the Pentagon and talking to generals than I have convincing some Buddhists that what we're doing is okay. This really surprised me. Amishi Jha believes that military mindfulness and psychology will provide soldiers and drone pilots with, quote, mental armor so soldiers can base their decisions on what is in front of them. Hmm. Uh, Okay, next section, abuse of power. War ensues the unleashing of violence largely upon the innocent and a small number of the guilty. Uh, The UN determined that international war crimes, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, And basically saying international lawyers and Amnesty International made the case the current U.S. president, Obama, as well as previous presidents, may have committed international war crimes, including through the use of drones to assassinate uh, suspects. We all know about that. And so, okay, next section, mindfulness in the military. Studies by the RAND Corporation estimate that one in every five U.S. military personnel returning from Iraq and Afghanistan experiences post-traumatic stress disorder, with around 320,000 soldiers suffering in the past six years. Some soldiers may have been involved in war crimes or witnessed war crimes, but remain afraid to speak up because of the consequences. The American Psychiatric Association reported that female soldiers were twice as likely to develop PTSD as men. Nearly one-third of the women reported that they suffered military sexual trauma while on duty in Afghanistan stand in Iraq, including male officers forcing, uh, male soldiers forcing sexual contact on women in the military. The U.S. military have created and established the Mindfulness-Based Mind Fitness Training, MMFT, pronounced MFIT, to, quote, build resilience and optimize individual and team performance. The MFIT website states, these body-based stress resilience skills make MFIT distinct from other basic mindfulness-based approaches. These skills are made accessible and relevant with applications to the real-world operational environment, with an emphasis on operational effectiveness and enhanced decision-making. The eight-week MFIT program draws some of its format from the eight-week MBSR, Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Program, which in turn derives its inspiration from the Insight Meditation Retreats. Insight Meditation Retreats emerged from the threefold training of ethics, meditation, and wisdom from the Buddha. There is deep concern that mindfulness for the military has become far, far removed from right mindfulness in the Buddha's teachings. Prior to deployment to war zones, a small but growing number of U.S. Marines engage in a training program, which includes several of the features of an insight meditation retreat. MFIT employs mindfulness of breathing, meditation in various postures, concentrated attention, working with painful sensations, relaxing mind-body, reduction of stress, and extended periods of silence. The Marines use their traditional methods, use these traditional methods of the Buddha to enable combatants to keep still in a particular posture while firing bullets or launching missiles at the enemy, such as another army or armed civilians or at locations in populated areas. The teachers of the military mindfulness programs believe the training will reduce stress levels in the military, including PTSD, and enable soldiers to make quick decisions in the heat of a situation. 
Before flying out to battle zones in Arab countries, Marines practiced moment-to-moment mindfulness in a mock Afghan village in the U.S. with screaming actors dressed as Arabs and controlled blasts to prepare soldiers for combat stress yeah, in the killing yeah. fields. This is th- th- this one really jumped out at me. Drone pilots also received practice instructions in mindfulness of breathing and single-pointed attention. The pilots sit in front of a television screen in Creech Air Force Base in Nevada to launch missiles to kill individuals, groups of citizens, or drop explosives on villages in various Muslim countries. Owing to information overload coming through earphones, satellites, other drone pilots, and military in the battle zone, mindfulness teachers train drone pilots to dwell in a calm, stress-free manner as they kill suspects, and often people in close proximity to the suspects. A military officer said that the practice of mindfulness helps, quote, combatants conduct dangerous and stressful counterterrorism and counterinsurgency operations. Soldiers use use mindfulness of breathing as an aid to kill people. MFIT founder, military intelligence officer Elizabeth A. Stanley wrote, Soldiers learning how to fire the M16 rifle are taught to pay attention to their breath and synchronize the breathing process to trigger the finger's movement, squeezing off the round while exhaling. Hmm. There are publicity photographs of Marines sitting cross-legged, practicing meditation and equanimity with a rifle slung over their back, ready for use. Uh, So, Hmm. yeah. Oh, by the way, military intelligence officer Elizabeth Stanley wrote a paper for DARPA stating that the meditation practices of Buddhist monks were necessary for drone pilots coping with information overload and for soldiers on the ground. Uh, Uh, This is actually quite evocative here. Drone pilots in Nevada refer to their work as watchers of, quote, death TV. They have access to live video streams from drones above Afghanistan, Pakistan, and other countries showing the alleged safe houses of suspected insurgents and live streams that show American Marines moving towards a battle zone. The robotic strikes of drones kill more children than suspects. President Obama has determined all military-age adults are suspects in a drone strike zone. 49 people die from a drone strike for every suspect assassinated. Drone pilots in Nevada use their mindfulness training to stay focused hour after hour through the drone's cameras on Muslims visible outdoors, occupants in cars and on the streets. When they believe they have spotted their target, they press the death button besides the keyboard of death TV. Well, uh, there yeah. you go. Um, oh, oh, wait, last thing. Because he notes the position of three senior Buddhists in the USA. The first one is John Kabat-Zinn, founder of the Center for Mindfulness and Medicine, Healthcare, and Mindfulness. He supports the MFIT course for Marines and drone pilots. He states in The Inquiring Mind, woven into mindfulness is an orientation towards non-harming. Some way implies or at least invites seeing the interconnectedness between the seer and the seen. It is a non-dual perspective from the very beginning, resting on an ethical foundation. Even if your initial motivation is to cause harm, by the time you finish, you may have a different motivation. I have to trust that. Uh, by the way, John Kabat-Zinn, do you know who his father-in-law is? I could guess, but no, who? Howard Zinn. <laughs> oh, okay. He married Howard Zinn's daughter. Wow, all right. Yeah, Word. so uh, not trying to have a go at uh, Howard Zinn here, but uh, uh, disappointing to say the least, I would say. Um you know, I guess we'll never get a people's history of the drone program out of him. 
For access to the full-length episode, subscribe to the Hour of Frequency at patreon.com slash subliminal jihad. Resting easy, logic functioning, reason grows.